So Money episode 947, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm recording this and about to head out to Penn State University. That's right, my friends. It is a long overdue visit, but I can't think of a better reason to go back. It's homecoming, and the school has provided me the incredible honor of naming me as the Grand Marshal of 2019. It is the 100th homecoming anniversary at the university. And as you know, I graduated there in 2002. My husband, Tim, graduated there in 2001. A lot of his family members went. And it's just going to be a really special trip for a lot of reasons. One, of course, this great opportunity to be the homecoming Grand Marshal. As I summarize for people, it's going to be a lot of sash wearing, waving to crowds, eating ice cream. But also we're taking our whole family So the kids are going to be able to experience Penn State. I've got all my college roommates, my best friends from all those years ago coming for the game and we're going to be celebrating. My in-laws are coming. It's going to be a ton of fun. So make sure to visit me on Instagram for all those pics and videos and behind the scenes. There will be no shortage of capturing the moment for sure. So just want to say I'm very excited for that. And everybody who uh, is going to be there this weekend I mean, the stadium seats about 120,000 people. So I, it may sound weird to think that someone in the audience might be there, but you might be, or you might be watching the game. So um, I'll be thinking of all of the alumni. And again, thanks to Penn State and the homecoming committee for picking me. This is like pretty crazy because if you knew me in college, you knew me to be someone who did not really attend football games. I was pretty nerdy and really actually love football weekends to be able to go on campus. It was actually a great time to go and like go to your favorite restaurants during the middle of the day or go find a quiet place on campus to read because everybody was at the stadium. Nonetheless, as I've graduated and become um, an alumni and now an alumni who gives back and I'm an advisory board member for the Smeal Business School, my passion and my allegiance to Penn State has only grown over the years. So you could be a nerd in college and not really understand how football football works and then come back uh, 20 years later as the Grand Marshal, I am living proof. I want to hit the iTunes review section and pick a recent reviewer to receive a free 15-minute money session with me. I was just on the phone with Allie, who left a review recently, helping her out with her student loans. She left a review um, earlier in September. It's been so much fun connecting with everybody on the phone. Remember the phone? (laughs) Remember when we used to call people and actually hear their voices as opposed to just texting or contacting? people on like Facebook Messenger. Yeah, the phone, it works and I recommend it. It's been awesome. You guys are giving me a gift of leaving a review and uh, another gift of connecting with me over the phone. I'm learning so much about what my audience cares about and what they're grappling with. It's like nothing else. You know, you can do a survey, you can kind of sense what's going on, but it's another thing to actually hear someone talk about the goings on in their financial lives, voice to voice. This week, we're going to highlight and say thanks to C. Stevens, who left a review on September 28th. 
C. Stevens. You can get in touch with me and let me know you left the review on Instagram. Connect with me there, direct message at Farnoosh Tarabi, or send me an email, farnoosh at farnoosh.tv, and let me know that you are the C. Stevens who left the review, and we will coordinate a time to connect. Uh, The title of the review is by far the most enriching and engaging financial podcast out there. Now, remember, the reviews don't have to be five stars. I, I love positive reviews, but I don't I don't want to limit the winners to just the five-star reviews, but I really appreciate this review because it sounds like this is a listener who's been with the show for like two and a half years. Uh, She or he says, I started listening to So Money when I was fresh out of law school. I had student loan debt, no experience in the corporate world. Since then, I've listened to every single one of Farnoosh's 900 plus episodes. I think there should be an award for that. There should definitely be like some sort of plaque. And she or he says, uh, the episodes have influenced me to pay off all my student loans, max out my 401k and Roth Roth IRA, invest, and I've got an eight-month stash of expenses in an emergency fund. Whew. This person says that thanks to the advice and that of my guests, I have more than doubled my salary in these two years, first by asking and receiving for a $20,000 raise, and then by pursuing and receiving a job offer from a dream firm. C. Stevens, thank you so much. I think it, I think it's helpful to read these reviews out loud because you learn how people are taking the, the advice from the show and putting it into action into their own lives. And it's just great to see that connection and the follow through. And I always say to people as they leave questions for the Friday episodes, let me know how things turn out. You know, sometimes I give advice that you take or you don't, um, but I'm really invested now in your future. So I would love for updates, as many updates as I can, just to kind of understand um, where where things led. I do want to also make a correction. I believe it was last Friday, there was a question about a listener had said that she could not contribute to her 401k until maybe a year into her job because that was the policy. And she had maxed out a traditional IRA and was wondering what she should do next. And I had suggested a Roth IRA. And what I didn't explain is that if you have already maxed out a traditional IRA, that year you cannot also contribute to a Roth IRA. So the contribution limit is $6,000, which you can spread across a traditional and a Roth IRA. You could do all of it in one account and zero in another, but you can't exceed $6,000. And so that I just want to clarify that a listener wrote in and uh, thank you to the listener. So I would go back to that listener's question and say that if you have maxed out the traditional IRA for this year, perhaps next year you do a Roth IRA. Because I still think there's advantages in having both. They both have their benefits of being able to help you save for retirement. But the main difference, of course, is the tax benefit. So with the traditional IRA, you can take that contribution and help it to reduce your taxes today. And then in Retirement, when you withdraw, you're taxed on those withdrawals. Roth IRA works differently. So you are uh, not able to take that contribution and help it and use it to help reduce your taxes today, but the money does grow. Um, but, but in retirement, when you take out the money, you are not taxed on it. So the question is, do you want the tax benefit today? If you do, do the traditional IRA. If you want it later, take on the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA also has uh, a more strict income participation limit. So if you make more than a certain amount, 
you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. The traditional IRA doesn't have that rule. So for some of these reasons, we say a Roth IRA, if you can contribute, you would benefit greatly from it. And having that, and having those two different tax vehicles, those tax accounts, um, can just help to diversify your tax exposure in retirement. Okay, are we ready to answer some questions? I am. I'm going to go to email first. This is urgent. This listener is celebrating her 30th birthday this week. And this question, if I answer it, she says would be a birthday wish come true. So I want to help out Heather. Heather, I hear you. I'm so excited you're in the audience and I appreciate your question. So here's what Heather is wondering about. She says, I've been listening to your podcast for around two years and it's been very helpful educating me about personal finance in a way that is positive and uplifting. When I think about the early money messages and education I received in my household growing up, many of these messages were confusing as a young person trying to navigate the world. My parents divorced when I was six years old and after a very tumultuous environment filled with abuse, trauma, and pain, my mother remarried when I was nine to a very kind man, my stepfather. My mother and stepfather struggled making ends meet, compulsive spending, living beyond their means, and often hiding their money mistakes from others. These weren't to be discussed. Debt collection agencies were ignored. A bankruptcy occurred in which my parents did not share with me. When I was 15 and moved in with my grandparents who have maintained a very frugal lifestyle, money mistakes were not okay and were often shamed. When I became a working adult, needless to say, my financial situation became a whirlwind and I felt like I had nowhere to turn. I accumulated over $100,000 in student loan debt, various credit card debt and debt from medical bills. I'm very grateful to have stumbled across your work because within lies the answers to a lot of hurdles I know I can overcome. This week I turned 30 and I've realized how much healing I need both in my life surrounding emotional pain and also surrounding money. I know I have a lot of potential and I would like to simply start with generating more income. Do you have any at-home income generating ideas to help someone who is struggling with emotional pain? All right, Heather. Thank you for your question. Thank you for your story to to open up about your history, your past, your childhood. I hope that was somewhat cathartic for you. And I know that in sharing that, people listening probably can relate. I know that um, I definitely relate to parts of your story. And it is not fair for a young person to have to grow up in that kind of an environment. But it sounds like you're smart and you are able to put things in perspective and you're also ready to take ownership of your life and your path. And I mean, that's a lot of it, folks, you know, just deciding, really deciding that this is going to be your life, that you're in charge. And yes, the world is sometimes a terrible place and people do awful things to us, but do you want to stay the victim or do you want to be the victor? That's really what it comes down to. In your case, Heather, I think uh, you are victorious and it sounds like your your head's in the right place. And I do have some ideas for you as far as where to you know, begin trying to find some easy or, you know, relatively easy side hustle income revenue generating opportunities from home. But I also want to offer you the tip of uh, perhaps working with a financial therapist. If you do want someone to talk to, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend working with a therapist. Uh, you know, there are financial therapists. There have been many who've come on this podcast. Dr. Brad Klontz, Amanda Clayman. There's a whole industry 
of people who are therapists, but also focus on the money stuff because money is emotional, very emotional. So I would encourage you to you know, talk to someone if you haven't already or you aren't already. Now, to answer your question well, it would have been helpful to know, you know what kinds of skills you have. So I'm just going to go really broad here, and I apologize if some of these don't apply to you, but hopefully you can get a sense of uh, you know, how to start strategizing. Start thinking about what kinds of skills you have. What are some untapped talents? You might speak a foreign language. You might be really good at a, a subject matter. It could be math, could be science, could be writing. Maybe you like to write. Maybe you're really organized, right? Maybe you have terrific research skills. You know, there are a lot of projects that would leverage some of these skills on sites like Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, Upwork.com, that's U-P-Work.com. I would start there. Those sites are filled with jobs, not always high paying, but small jobs and very easy jobs to do from home, often over the internet that you can look through and start to get inspired. You can pet sit, which actually might not be a bad idea, right? Because you say you are looking for something that can help you heal. And if you like pets, taking care of a cute puppy, uh, that is actually proven to be a great way to um, help people heal and help people reduce anxiety. So you can go to a site like rover.com and look at and find listings for people who are in your neighborhood and looking for happy, safe homes to leave their pets uh, overnight or for a weekend. If you are into that, definitely check it out. So Heather, I hope this was helpful and I hope that you had a fantastic entry into your 30th year. I'm wrapping up my 30s soon. I have to say it's a pretty spectacular decade ahead for you and I wish you all the best and more success. Okay, next question regarding New York City real estate. My favorite topic. <laughs> One of my favorite topics, Jolene has this great question. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I keep hearing over and over that buying an apartment in the greater New York City area is a bad investment and that you're better off renting and keeping the extra money in the stock market because it costs so much to get into and out of real estate here. But I can't break up with the mindset that you're throwing money away when renting. It would be great to hear you dive into your own personal experience buying and selling in the area on an upcoming episode. Congrats on getting your apartment on the market, by the way. Yes. If anyone's looking for a three-bedroom in Brooklyn, I know someone who's selling her apartment, me. So get in touch. Uh, We are listing the place right now. It's been a week and we've had a lot of uh, activity uh, in the last few days. So crossing my fingers for an offer, but it is a buyer's market right now, at least in New York City. So if you are interested in buying... Now is the time to strike if ever. Uh, There is a lot of inventory on the market and people are willing to negotiate. Interest rates are really low. And so that makes for kind of the perfect storm for buyers. Prices are dropping, interest rates are low. This is the thing, the down payment is what prohibits so many people from being able to buy in the Big Apple. Across the country, You know, down payments can range from 5% to 10%, 15%. Here, it's at least 20%. 
And a lot of offers are done in cash, which completely wipes out so many potential buyers. Uh, The competition can get really, really stiff when you've got cash buyers in the mix. So the down payment is really tough. And and I agree with you, Jolene, that that is a big entry. You know, that's a big cost of entry into the New York City market. I overall don't think that renting is putting money down the drain. I think that renting, depending on your goals, can afford you a ton of flexibility and the freedom to have more cash in the bank or in the stock market. And as you say, you know, over the long run, the stock market has been more attractive as far as ROI goes. You know, across the country, real estate hasn't appreciated much on average. It is true that in certain parts of the country, the market is hotter. And New York City is one of those cities, New York, San Francisco, Boston, Austin, you know, and so if you can, if you can break into these markets, historically, your dollar goes very far here over the long run. So I'll just give you my own personal experience with New York City buying. I was very fortunate in 2004, or it was 2003, I purchased a small studio on the Upper West Side, that later when I went to sell it 10 years later, I think had appreciated about 70%, 70%. Now, if I kept my money in the market, I would not be so fruitful because I also sold that apartment in the recession. If I'd kept my money in the market and cashed out in the recession, well, I don't think I'm going home with 70% gain. So in my situation, I lucked out, uh, but I, but it's not so much luck. It's also just really being a believer in the market here. The cost to entry is very high, but if you can get in and you can stick it out, I don't know anybody who bought in New York City and in 10, 15 years said, wow, that was a terrible investment. <laughs> you know, I lost money on that apartment. That could be true in other parts of the country or it could just be a very small gain, but here we're talking double digit growth across the board on average. And so I, I do think that there are hot pockets in the country and I'm not a real estate expert insofar as someone who's like got a portfolio of apartments and housing units. There are people out there that definitely, this is their jam, this is their forte. And they've been on this podcast too. So I would recommend going back and listening to some of those real estate episodes. You can go on So Money Podcast and keyword search real estate. And there's so many uh, episodes with people like Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing and Kathy Braddock, who's a real estate pro. We had Sydney Torres on the show who has been credited for revitalizing New Orleans and building an incredible portfolio of housing. And he flips apartments and homes. This is not, again, what I do, but I've had great success with the first apartment. And now fast forward to today, my husband and I, we've got our Brooklyn apartment on the market and we're open to renting as our next step. We're not jumping back into the housing market as buyers just yet. We want to be able to sell on our terms finish out the school year, which may mean renting for a little bit and use the spring and the summer to look at uh, housing in the suburbs and be able to strike with money in the bank. The, you know, Ideally, you can do it in steps and that's what we're doing. Uh, that's what we're trying to do as opposed to trying to sell and buy at the same time and hope that it all works out, that your closing you know, is within days and you're going to have money in the bank for the down payment. It's you know, that's to me, that's very nerve wracking. And I didn't want to 
I don't want to entertain anything like that. So that's why we're doing it this way. But I can go into more details on an episode, I suppose. I hope that was helpful, Jolene. And let me know if you have any other real estate questions. Okay, next up is Amwiza. Amwiza? I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. It's very pretty. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I've been listening to your podcast ever since you were a guest on the Brown Ambition podcast earlier this year. Love that podcast, by the way. If anyone's not listening to Brown Ambition, that is Mandy Woodruff and Tiffany Aliche, aka The Budget Nista, two fantastic ladies who co-host a podcast, uh, talking often about issues related to women of color, money issues. I was grateful to be on their show earlier this year. Brown Ambition, check it out. So anywho, she says she is 36 years old, single, living in Brooklyn, All right. Represent. Her only debt is $230,000 in federal student loans. She learned financial management later than she should have, she admits, but is utilizing the knowledge that she has to the best of her ability. She says, despite my best efforts, I feel like I'm not making significant progress on any financial front because my salary, which is $75,000 gross annually, isn't enough to manage the New York City cost of living and service this debt. Do you have any advice for earning significantly more than I currently do? I feel like I live to pay rent and loans, and I want to be able to live alone and have a child, but these two really simple goals seem impossible given the situation. What's your advice? Well, I have to say that it's so hard to live in New York City, even when you have zero debt. It is a very high cost of living city. And I'm concerned. I I, I really don't know if there's a way to wing it here with so much in student loans and your salary and, of course, the high cost of living. Firstly, though, have you applied for income-based repayment? I I just, looking at the math here, I'm not a human calculator, but I have a feeling that you may well qualify for income-based repayment. It is a difficult program to qualify for. I learned recently that only 1% of applicants qualify, which is horrendous. But if you have $230,000 in federal student loans and you're making $75,000 a year, it would behoove it would surprise me if you wouldn't qualify for some sort of modification and income-based repayment. If you go to ibrinfo.gov, this is a site that you can learn more about how to apply for a government program that essentially, um, once they review your financials, might put you on a program where you're paying zero to something very small every month. uh, And it's based on how much you make. It's just like it sounds, income-based repayment. And it's never going to be more than 10 or 15% of your monthly pay. So do that first. But to be completely honest, and it, it really pains me to tell you this, but I don't think that it's a good idea to be living in New York City um, with so much on your plate. I don't know if your job is tied to being in New York City, but I wonder if there's a way for you to keep your job and maybe just live outside the city. It may mean a longer commute, living in New Jersey, living in in Queens, or Brooklyn is actually more expensive now than Manhattan in some ways. So living in another borough or further out in Brooklyn, 
chopping down your rent significantly, that's going to help. But I, I also agree you need to make more money. If I've learned anything from all of the guests on this show, some of them have had three times the debt as you. Go listen to uh, Drs. Renee and Need Darko, two doctors who also have their MBAs who woke up one day uh, actually on their honeymoon and they were like, uh, we have $600,000 in debt combined. And they got out of it. But it wasn't easy and they did work a lot. And that just may be what you have to do. Is it possible for you to take on extra shifts at your job? Talk to your employer, talk to your manager. I want to take on more responsibilities here. Is there another job that I can apply for? Are there extra responsibilities I can take on and be compensated for that? I think you would benefit from having at least a conversation with your boss, but don't make it about the student loans. I don't think your employer should know that you are um, experiencing financial fragility. Make it all about how you are ambitious. You want to make more money. You're committed. You are passionate about the work and you want to take on more responsibilities so that you can advance in your career as soon as possible. Uh, Don't bring up the money because because that could get, that could worry them and and make them feel like you're not you're motivated for the wrong reasons even though we all know <laughs> the debt is a huge problem let's be honest but yeah living outside of new york city working a lot more you heard me answer the first question to heather about ways to make extra money and i don't know if any of those ideas uh, resonated with you but that's kind of the thinking right thinking about what are some of your skills your talents and one other thing i didn't mention earlier with heather is that think about like some of the resources that you have. Uh, do you travel for work and often leave your apartment empty? Could you Airbnb it? I know that New York City has very specific laws around Airbnb, so make sure you check with that. But sometimes we have resources like extra parking, extra room in the house, a, a car that we can help to move people from one place to another. You know, TaskRabbit might be a good site to just scan and see if any of those kinds of job postings interest you, relate to you. Could be an extra $50, $75 per gig on TaskRabbit. But more importantly, you need to make two big shifts here. One is where you live so that your rent is not taking a big chunk out of your budget should be a small sliver. I mean, if you can go and live with family for free for a year and save the money that you would spend on rent and put it towards the debt, that would be something. Um, you want to talk to the, the government. You want to go to ibrinfo.gov and see if there's a way for you to qualify for income-based repayment. And how can you double your salary? For someone who has six figures in student loans, realistically, you want to be bringing home about a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to be able to keep head above water. Truly, I can't imagine what that monthly balance is. I mean, I don't know the interest rate, so I can't do the quick math. But I'm sure it's four figures. It's got to be if the interest rate is even just five or six percent. All right. I hope this was helpful. You can make a change here, but you have to be willing to make some big shifts in your life. I'm going to quote one of my guests from the show. John Capitaneus, who at the time when he came on the show, he was a producer for ABC News. He had over $100,000 in student loan debt. He paid it off in two years. He worked his tail off taking on a ton of shifts at work. And he said, you need to get uncomfortable in your life to be able to make a big shift, a financial shift, to get out of debt at this level, this you know six figures of debt. He, had, he says he, had, he took a, a ruthless self-audit of his financial health. And that's how he got the ultimate wake-up call to change his situation. And he created a comprehensive payoff system 
system. He worked and worked and worked and worked, didn't go out. He basically saved every penny. It took years, but he did it. He's sharing his message now with the world. He's on podcasts and and really helping others do the same. And so the other thing I want to say to you is tap into this community. There are so many people who have done it and have done it heroically and on their own. You can do it too. And I really appreciate you reaching out. Asking the question is the first step. It's clear you are open to receiving the advice and the support. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. And that is a wrap, my friends. I got to call it a night because I got some more packing to do. Tomorrow, we're driving off to Penn State. The kids are really excited. And get this, my son, who's five, I just found out, will be able to ride with me in the parade car and wave to everybody. And I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was five, the highlight of my year was probably like, I don't know, when I went on a TWA flight, fell asleep, woke up and had a TWA pin on my shirt. I kept that pin for years. Again, join me on Instagram to see all of what's happening. It's going to be an exciting few days at Penn State and the weekend, of course. Also, send me your questions on direct message at Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. You can also email me, farnoosh at farnoosh.tv. And keep the reviews coming. We're almost at 1,000, y'all. I'm going to keep just offering these free 15-minute money sessions probably through the end of the year and maybe a uh, I don't know, into 2020. It's been fun. I gotta say, I really enjoy uh, hearing your voices over the phone and helping you one-on-one as best I can. So I would love to um, receive your feedback in the iTunes review section and also hopefully connect with you at some point in real life. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your weekend is so money. 